chapter sixteen of the splendid outcast by george gibbs this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva nora speaks the attention of monsieur de vautrin having been attracted by piquette's news of the immediate threat against his fortune it was no longer difficult to persuade him to listen to what jim horton had to say madame thibault was therefore conducted with scant ceremony to an apartment in the hotel de paris after which the duc rejoined piquette and jim in the casino the unflattering opinion jim horton had formed of this french nobleman was upon closer acquaintance in a way modified the peevish and supercilious air with which he had greeted piquette had changed to one scarcely less unpleasant a fidgety anxiety and apprehension which revealed weakness of fibre one would not have expected to discover between the points of so long and so imposing a moustache he gave jim the impression of being very weary in the pursuit of a will-o'-the-wisp and in repose his face bore the scars worn by those who live for pleasure alone altogether he seemed a person scarcely worth borrowing so much trouble about his attitude of suspicion toward jim horton was illy concealed and he listened frowning and questioning until at last convinced of the reality of his danger at the hands of the renegade irish adventurer to whose venial cleverness he had so long paid handsome tribute but they can do nothing he said at last in excellent english with an air of bravado which was meant to be effective and which was only pitiful i'm not so sure about that said jim the mere fact of your having paid for the support of the child for so many years makes it seem as though you believed in the thing what do i care i have the money let them take it if they can oh they'll take it all right if you don't find some way to meet their evidence lies yes of course but you've got to prove that they are where's your defence you didn't even know you had a daughter until barry quinlevin told you you had what proof have you that your own child died and if you believed quinlevin then why shouldn't you believe him now i had my suspicions pardon me suspicions won't satisfy an irish court or a french one what proof have you that madame horton isn't your own child none exactly but everybody who could have known anything about the matter is dead except nora burke and you've already heard what she has to say hm. and what is your interest in this matter monsieur that's a fair question said jim slowly i'll give you a fair answer madame horton is my brother's wife the story i've given you is straight as piquette will tell you since she heard much of it from my brother your daughter died shortly after her mother your wife my interest in this affair is personal to this extent i don't intend to have madame horton used any longer by an unprincipled blackmailer 
surely then you would have told madame horton the truth and saved me this unpleasantness yes i've told her said jim slowly but she's helpless can't you see monsieur it has all been very sudden for her she doesn't know what to believe besides monsieur quinlevin has the birth certificate and the testimony of the nurse but if madame horton is an honorable woman you can count on that put in horton quickly she doesn't want your money she isn't quinlevin's kind then why doesn't she renounce him she might but what difference would that make she might permit herself to think she was joan of arc but that wouldn't make her any one but patricia madeleine aulnoy de vautrin if barry quinlevin has evidence enough to prove that she is de vautrin frowned darkly and twitched his jewelled fingers but she would have something to say about her own desires in the matter he said her own desires haven't anything to do with it see here monsieur de vautrin barry quinlevin proves her birth by a certificate he also proves by the nurse that she was the child brought into his house and the child he has brought up as his ward bearing his name and accepting your money for twenty-one years hush money monsieur that you paid to keep her out of a fortune you thought belonged to her but it doesn't belong to her cried de vautrin gesticulating it's mine since the child is dead monsieur harry horton piquette broke in monsieur harry horton could be called to the stand of course but his testimony is not to be relied upon your brother monsieur yes monsieur de vautrin replied jim my brother but an intimate of barry quinlevin's ah i comprehend an accomplice you might call him that if you like he shrugged and turned aside we don't get along my brother and i but i don't think you'll find much to gain by putting him on the witness stand besides it won't look very pretty in the papers it's as much to my interest as yours to keep it out the duke eyed him suspiciously again but you must have some other interest besides this in wishing to help me what's the axe you have to grind monsieur jim horton grinned and shrugged for myself nothing that is difficult to believe then i would advise you to tax your imagination to the utmost i don't want madame horton to figure in an affair that she will regret the rest of her life but why monsieur is in love with madame horton piquette's voice broke in very calmly there was a silence for a moment in which jim horton looked at piquette piquette gazed at de vautrin and de vautrin stared from one to the other in astonishment his knowledge of the world had given him no instinct to appraise a situation such as this but piquette met his gaze clearly it is the truth olivier she repeated and now perhaps you understand it is extraordinary he gasped and you too i brought him to you your interests are the same and mine with both parbleu if i could believe it 
jim horton rose aware of a desire to pull the wax mustaches to see if they were real you needn't believe it if you don't want to he said carelessly and you don't have to believe my story but i've given you your warning barry quinlevin may be in nice now with his birth certificate and his nora burke he buttoned his overcoat and turned toward the door i think i'll be going back to nice piquette he said coolly and then to the bewildered frenchman good night monsieur one moment gasped the duke toddling after him and catching him by the hand i believe you monsieur why should i not believe you since what you say is what i wish to believe it is all very bewildering i should have thanked you long ago for your kindness jim horton turned with a smile it's about time and it ought to be fairly clear that i have little interest in your fortune or even in you monsieur i don't mind being shot at for my interference in mr quinlevin's affairs but i might have been hit or piquette might which would have been worse and i don't relish having my word doubted or hers i beg forgiveness you have been shot at piquette explained quickly while de vautrin's watery eyes grew larger mon dieu and you say they are coming here yes if their dinky little train ever reaches its destination i'm afraid you're in for it monsieur de vautrin de vautrin threw out his arms wildly i will not see them i will go away jim horton nodded that's all right but it's only putting off the evil moment when they get their evidence working you'll have to meet it some way and then what will you do de vautrin had caught jim by the coat-sleeve and pulled him down into the seat beside him and then with a pseudo-dramatic air which failed of conviction i shall fight monsieur with what with the evidence you've given me it's not enough horton shook his head and laughed it looks to me as though you were elected president of the quinlevin endowment association but there must be some way of getting at the truth cried the frenchman now really pitiful in his alarm ah that's it laughed jim you know madame horton is not your daughter and i know it but that doesn't beat quinlevin what then monsieur you've got to kill his evidence but how with stronger evidence of your own you haven't it or any prospect of getting it that i can see so there's only one course open and that monsieur asked de vautrin eagerly to break down quinlevin's i'm no lawyer but that's only common sense nora burke is a liar bribed with five thousand pounds and there never was a lie that didn't have its weak points you've got to make her speak the truth how i don't know but i wouldn't mind trying then you've got to get that birth certificate i don't see how you expect to do that neither do i quinlevin is no fool but then he's not supernatural either the duke was silent appalled by the undertaking which had presented itself and the calm way in which his visitor discussed his projects filled him with wonder justice monsieur de vautrin is on your side will you fight for it assuredly monsieur if you will but help 
jim horton laughed then you no longer believe i have an axe to grind no no monsieur and you no longer cherish evil thoughts of piquette upon my honor said the duke a jeweled hand at his heart and yet monsieur you can hardly blame me for some irritation at meeting her here with you jim horton glanced toward the door significantly and then dryly you hardly deserve her monsieur de vautrin i am proud of her friendship it's the finest thing in my life de vautrin wagged his head foolishly and then shrugged a futile shoulder what do you want me to do monsieur he asked peevishly horton lighted a cigarette carefully and took piquette by the hand first monsieur de vautrin he said coolly you will send madame thibault about her business monsieur said the duke with a show of dignity suit yourself but she's in the way this is no time for fooling does she go or doesn't she de vautrin's injured dignity trembled in the balance for a moment and then fell away merged in his apprehension for the immediate future that can can doubtless be arranged he said with a frown good said horton jovially and the sooner the better it will clear the atmosphere amazingly then we will prepare to fight monsieur quinlevin with his own weapons yes you i piquette that's what we came here for you've made the mistake of underrating barry quinlevin he's desperate he's playing a big game and if you don't want to be the goat you'll do what i advise i'm listening if i'm not mistaken he will reach here to-morrow afternoon with madame horton and nora burke and you've got to see them i monsieur yes you here in your rooms in the hotel de paris you will give it out that you are here for a week they must take rooms in monte carlo then you will listen politely to everything quinlevin has to say to everything nora burke has to say but you yourself will say nothing but you monsieur i shall be in an adjoining room but they must not know it but barry quinlevin will discover that you have been here of course you will tell him that they will tell you that i have lied but you won't believe them and then you will tell them that i have gone away but when will you come into my assistance that depends upon what i hear through the keyhole but would it not be simpler to pay this nora burke for telling the truth horton laughed it does seem simple doesn't it i don't know much about french law but i wouldn't want to be caught at it out where i come from let's play this game straight and trust to luck if quinlevin is too sharp for us we'll try something else do you agree of course monsieur and so it was settled on the following morning madame thibault was sent back to paris and piquette and jim horton ostentatiously took the train for nice returning subsequently by automobile to monte carlo where they were hidden in rooms in the hotel de paris in this they were aided by an official of the hotel who proved to be an old acquaintance of piquette's in paris 
and so when barry quinlevin arrived from nice in the afternoon with moira and nora burke inquiring for the duke the information was conveyed directly to horton who was happy to learn that tricot had not yet caught up with the party monsieur de vautrin who had been carefully rehearsed in the part he was to play seemed to enter into the game with some spirit and was sent over to the casino to play trente et quarante where after a while barry quinlevin found him deeply absorbed in his game of chance the duke manifested polite surprise quinlevin polite insistence and then they talked for a while the duke indifferently quinlevin impressively to the end that an appointment was made for an hour later the following afternoon in the duke's apartment where he would listen in all good nature and tolerance to what his visitors would have to say he hoped his daughter was handsome it would be a pity if all this money was to go to one who could not use it with dignity all this in an ironic and jocular mood which only brought a dour smile upon quinlevin's face but the main object of the preliminary encounter was achieved for barry quinlevin accepted without reservation the duke's assertion that jim horton having performed his mission had returned to paris when the hour of the appointment arrived jim horton sat behind the door into the bedroom of monsieur de vautrin carefully studying the pages of an english french dictionary the duke set over his paper with an air of unconcern he was far from feeling piquette at the american's instructions was elsewhere quinlevin shown to the door of the room by a servant of the hotel met the duke with his most amiable smile and introduced the women of his party moira was pale nora burke uncomfortable but arrogant monsieur de vautrin quinlevin began with something of an air permit me to present to you your daughter patricia madeleine aulnoy de vautrin the duke smiled politely bowed and stared moira who as though in duty had taken a step toward him paused and then as she saw the look that monsieur de vautrin swept over her the color flamed into her cheeks the duke's rebuff gave for the first time a true perception of the position in which she had voluntarily placed herself if she were a mere adventuress he could not have accused her more eloquently and the admiration in his impudent stare was even more insulting this man this effete boulevardier her father impossible and the repulsion she felt at the sight of him made her wish only to go anywhere away from the sight of him what else she had expected she didn't know for even barry quinlevin had not been too explicit as to what would be likely to happen but there was her mentor at her side 
a gentle hand upon her elbow urging her forward into the armchair by the window which monsieur de vautrin was indicating with a rather exaggerated gesture of formality thanks monsieur said quinlevin with an easy laugh sinking into another chair you're not to be blamed for not flying into each other's arms after all these years when your acquaintance in the beginning was to say the least a most trivial affair but in a while perhaps you'll be knowing each other better and i'm sure monsieur you'll be finding my ward as i have done a fine creature capable of the most filial devotion ah said de vautrin i don't doubt that it would truly be a great pleasure to me to discover so beautiful a creature to be a daughter of mine but the facts of the matter unfortunately one moment monsieur broke in quinlevin before we arrive at the facts in the matter you must be aware that this situation is none of my ward's choosing she came because she knew that it was a sacred duty which she owed to the memory of her mother many years have passed since your affairs er called you away from ireland and she lays no fault to yourself for your desertion for which i have taken all the blame she knows that you've provided for her comfortably and that i have made it my pleasure to act as your substitute as well as i could but the time has come when she must take her place in the world to which she belongs and it's my duty to be putting her there to this end as you see i've brought with me her old nurse nora burke with whom you're already acquainted and who will be answering any questions that you would like to put to her monsieur de vautrin frowned and moved his gaze from moira to the servant who stood her large hands badly gloved folded upon her stomach her feet shifting uneasily i've heard something of nora burke's story said de vautrin dryly but there are parts of it that i have not heard you're quite at liberty to question monsieur put in quinlevin nora too is merely an instrument of truth in the hand of providence since providence has ceased providing said the duke dryly i comprehend but i will listen to this extraordinary tale again since i have promised to do so it can do no harm allons proceed nora burke my poor wife you say engaged you some weeks before my daughter was born she did your highness and as the woman hesitated go on nora said quinlevin the child was born this very girl they call moira quinlevin who sits before ye a beautiful child she was fine and healthy that the poor duchess never lived to see for she died that night god rest her soul faded away before our very eyes and who was there beside yourself asked the duke coolly dominique finucain the doctor from athlone and father riley the priest who gave her absolution and who since died said de vautrin dryly yes your highness but the birth certificate i was after capon 
since no father came near us nor any relation marie callenby was a lonely kind and when she came back to galway took to living solitary like on the small farm with only the one servant mrs boyle to look after her and mrs boyle is also dead put in de vautrin keenly chaise it's very unfortunate that all the witnesses have seen fit to die all but me your highness said nora assertively de vautrin shrugged well what happened then well mrs boyle and meself we didn't know what to be after doing so we just followed the advice of father riley and what did he tell you to do nora glanced at quinlevin who nodded in a while he brought mr barry quinlevin this gentleman here who lived on the only place nearby and told us to be going to his home mr quinlevin was after being very lonely he said his own wife and colleen having died a few months before that was kind of mr quinlevin we thought so your highness but it was kind of father riley too for nobody was after coming to see about the poor child and mr quinlevin was that grateful he watched the babby like it was his own that's true enough he would sneered the duke and what happened then mrs boyle and i we lived in the house of mr quinlevin her as cook and me as nurse bringing up the child as miss moira quinlevin alone in the house for wakes at a time when mr quinlevin was after being away to london or paris on business but all the while i was capin the birth certificate and all the while trying me best to take the place of poor mary callenby and you were well paid for this service asked de vautrin i had me wages it was enough and when you heard that mr quinlevin had seen me in paris two years afterward you received more money nora's glance sought quinlevin who broke in calmly i gave nora as well as mrs boyle a bit more you understand a proper share of the sum for the support of the child and they agreed to say nothing he fingered in his pocket and brought forth a paper this as you can plainly see is a copy of the birth certificate of your child and the original asked the duke will be provided at the proper time said quinlevin shrewdly de vautrin took the paper and read it carefully and where is mrs boyle at the present moment he asked dead also three weeks ago said quinlevin calmly it's most unfortunate but her signature can be verified hm and father riley also of course said the duke with a quick glance toward his bedroom door and there are other papers yes said quinlevin letters from you accompanying your checks which guarantee your verbal agreement in paris the will of patrick callenby and a few other trifles which are important to you and you think your case is complete 
oh yes quite an irish court won't hesitate very long just at this time in carrying out the provisions of this will monsieur de vautrin smiled and what do you wish me to do he asked quietly to perform merely an act of restitution an act of justice to your own you know the terms of the will in the event of the mother dying her fortune was to revert unconditionally to the child but she's to be considerate of your age and the relation that exists between you which however strange it may seem to you both at this time is that a father and only daughter you both form the habits of your lives yourself live in bachelor fashion in paris and london your daughter is disposed to be generous and does not wish to interfere with your plans for the future she will if you please still keep the matter secret and go on living with me yourself to continue in the comfortable life of your bachelorhood and your terms asked de vautrin quietly barry quinlevin pocketed the copy of the birth certificate which monsieur de vautrin had put upon the table as to terms that won't be made difficult the estate of patrick callenby was reckoned at a million pounds sterling we'll say twenty millions of francs or thereabouts since you're not a man of business and allowing for depreciation give your daughter proper securities to the amount of one-third of her fortune and she will assign the other two-thirds to you quinlevin paused for when the terms were mentioned monsieur de vautrin had begun to smile and now burst into an unpleasant laugh well monsieur de vautrin broke off quinlevin angrily it's merely he replied that you don't figure enough for depreciation what do you mean twenty-one years is a long while and you are right when you say that i am no man of business my fortune has diminished year by year and since the war poof it has vanished into thin air the estate of patrick callenby monsieur is now a myth barry quinlevin rose trying to keep his temper there are ways of verifying your statements monsieur of course i commend you to them and nora burke who might have told me the truth last summer in ireland when i was disposed to be generous i've told the truth asserted nora doggedly in spite of her bewilderment and how much more will you tell when there's no money for the telling said de vautrin rising for at this moment the door into the adjoining room opened and jim horton strode quickly into the room End of chapter sixteen